Hello everyone, welcome back to the Tar Heel Prescription, a student-run podcast here at the UNC School of Medicine. My name is Peter. And my name is Abdul. We are so excited to bring you another episode of the specialty series, this time talking about my personal favorite, emergency medicine. We are delighted to talk about what the specialty is like, how to get there, and so much more with UNC's very own Dr. Maglin Halsey-Nichols. I got to know Dr. Halsey-Nichols during my time in the Castillo Scholars Program, during which I participated in the Intro to Emergency Medicine course, which is an elective offered for rising second-year medical students during the summer. Just want to put that out there, a little more about that in a little bit, but I highly recommend this course for anyone interested. Now with that, Dr. Halsey-Nichols, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. If you would, please tell us a little more about who you are and what you do here at UNC. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's really exciting to get to come talk about the specialty that I love. Um, I'm Maglin Halsey-Nichols, and I am an assistant professor of emergency medicine here at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I I wear a couple hats that you may see me in. Um, In addition to working clinically, both at UNC Medical Center and at Hillsboro, I serve as an assistant program director for our residency program, and I also am a co-division director for our division of global health and health equity within the Department of Emergency Medicine. And as Abdul referenced, I am the program um, director for our Intro to Emergency Medicine elective for rising second-year medical students, and I do hope to give a plug for that at some point today. So thanks for mentioning it. Absolutely. We would love that. Dr. Halsey-Nichols, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here with us today. Uh, To dive right in, could you tell us a little more about your personal journey into emergency medicine and how did you find yourself here and what experiences shaped your decisions? So it's really interesting to look back on a journey to getting to a specialty. Um, For some people, they know from the beginning. I thought I knew from the beginning what I wanted to do and it kind of took its own path uh, that I didn't predict. So I knew early on that I wanted to be in medicine. I had family who worked in medicine, and I loved seeing how they helped people and were able to be available when needs arose. Um, So especially my mom was a nurse practitioner, and I watched her my whole life doing that. So early on, I knew I wanted to be someone who could help when people had medical problems, um, which now looking back is a, a huge part of my decision to do emergency medicine. But at the time in high school, I had just torn my ACL, I was playing soccer, and I was certain I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. So that's how I started out in medical school. And unfortunately, our first course in anatomy was muscles and bones. And I hated it. And then I got really (laughs) sad and terrified about what I was going to do because I was very clear that I couldn't do orthopedic surgery all of a sudden. So I really loved medical school. I loved learning about the heart and the lungs. I started my clerkships. Everything felt pretty good. Um, And I think you hear that a lot from emergency medicine, but there was nothing I wanted to give up. And so I I was having a really hard time choosing. And I was actually pretty dead set on not doing emergency medicine. We had actually been required to do EMT training at the beginning of our medical school training. And I did not like it. We rode along on the ambulance once a month for our first two years of med school. I did not like it. I was always anxious and stressed. And so I knew I didn't want to do emergency medicine. But then I did all my other clerkships and then went and worked in the emergency department. And within a couple of hours, I knew that was home. I saw that I got to be there for people when they needed it. I got to be a little bit of a generalist and know some of everything. Um, I got to still do hands-on procedures. um, And it, it was everything that, looking back now, I had wanted out of medicine. So I knew pretty quickly that that was the specialty for me. But it wasn't until the second half of my third year of medical school, actually, which I didn't do clerkships till third year, that I chose. So it was a pretty, pretty interesting journey, for sure. 
That's so interesting. And I find it hilarious that you wanted to do muscle and bones. And then you're like, oh, my God, I hate this. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, and also interesting that you had to do EMT training in, as part yes. of medical school. So as you know, I worked as an EMT for three years, and that's a big motivation for <laughs> why I want to go into emergency medicine. So saying that it had the opposite effect on you um, is a little funny, I would say. Well, I think you can all relate to being in PCC and after having to like touch a person for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you want to be a doctor, but it's really weird. And so to get thrown into EMT training and then like seeing patients who were really sick in their homes, like in, in some really bad situations... It was really anxiety provoking for me. Uh, now that I know more and have practiced medicine for a little bit, I have just so much love and respect for the pre-hospital system and and do not dislike <laughs> <laughs> like being in that setting the way I did as a medical student. But it's just a lot as a first year medical student, uh, for sure. Quite different from the pre-hospital setting, um, the emergency department can be challenging in its own regard. Could you give us an overview of what the field of emergency medicine looks like in the context of the emergency department? And I guess more specifically, what does a day in the life look like? I love this question because I absolutely cannot answer it. Uh, there are no two days or no two weeks that are alike, but there are general patterns um, that you have as an emergency medicine physician. So as many of you probably know, uh, emergency medicine is shift work. So you'll work different days of the week, different hours, you work holidays, um, you probably are going to work in different locations. Like I mentioned, I work at the medical center and at Hillsborough. So a lot of places have setups like that. You're going to see different patients every single time. You start to recognize patterns, but you never really know what you're going to get. So a day in the life is is variable for sure, but you get used to the patterns of it. So most places you're working eight to 12 hour shifts. There's day shifts, evening shifts, and overnight shifts typically. Um, and usually you get a spread of all of them and sharing the holiday time as well. Some people choose to be nocturnists meaning they only work night shifts. And so that's one way you might get a little more regularity to your schedule, but then you're only working night shifts. But but for a lot of us, it varies, varies very much. There's some constants. So you're always going to be working with a team. Sometimes those teams are really small if you're, if you're way out in a small hospital. Sometimes those teams are huge if you're at a tertiary care center. You always have to be prepared for anything. And you're going to witness the good and bad of the healthcare system every day. So those are some constants in EM that... You, you know, even though the day-to-day -day changes you can expect when you show up to work. So there's some consistency there. There is. And <laughs> kind of comparing like somewhere like Hillsboro, which is more community-based versus UNC, which is a lot more academic-based. Now to our understanding, and don't quote me on the actual number, but it's about 70 to 80% of emergency medicine doctors work in the community or community settings. How does that differ from a place like yeah. UNC? So again, it's hard to answer this question because even within the community, there's a lot of variability. Um, I think big things that are different between community and academics are the type of location you're working in. Your academic centers are going to be in more urban areas, um, more populated areas, obviously associated with universities. So um, your your location is different. The resources you have are different. So you're heavily resourced at an academic center with your consultants and your equipment and the things that you can do. Obviously, you have learners present in an academic setting, which changes your experience as a patient and a, uh, a physician or other clinician. And within academics, I think it's typically thought of that you have other activities you're involved in, like education or research or something like that. Uh, 
truthfully, in the community, there are things that you can get involved with outside of that clinical space too. But definitely in academics, you're going to have those other things that you're involved with. And I imagine things like research and teaching. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, operations, quality improvement, those types of things. So um, within the community setting, there can be a lot of variability then, though, about how much you have in terms of resources and how many patients you're seeing, how busy you are, and the types of complaints you're seeing just because of where you're located. Um, So there are community sites that are level one trauma centers, stroke centers, you know, um, they get the STEMIs, everything. Um, But there are community sites that have no resources to take a patient to the cath lab. Uh, They don't have a trauma surgeon, that type of stuff. But those things may still walk through your door. Right. (laughs) And so the way you practice and care for stuff can vary depending. And there's everything in between, you know, freestanding EDs all the way to the academic center. So it's interesting because when you train in emergency medicine, you're probably going to be in an academic center. A lot of places have community experiences as well. But in that time, you're preparing to literally be in any setting, which you may or may not have fully experienced in residency. So you just got to be able to kind of think through what problems you might encounter and how you'll manage them. Now that we got our listeners excited about emergency medicine. I hope so. Not scared. <laughs> we'd like to talk in more detail about the path to becoming a board-certified emergency medicine physician. What does this pathway look like in the years following medical school? And what does residency entail in terms of training and work cultures? So emergency medicine residency after medical school is a three- or a four-year residency. A lot of people go out and start working right after that, and that's it. And so the path is potentially very straightforward. Emergency medicine does give you a lot of options, though, if you have other interests, whether you want to work in academics or not. So you can pursue fellowships that are ACGME and non-ACGME accredited. Um, So we have EMS, toxicology, PEDS, EM, ultrasound are all ACGME accredited, and they have their own board certification. But we have a lot of other fellowships like medical education, research, operations, uh, wilderness medicine, for example. And then we can also kind of get into fellowships hosted in other specialty areas like informatics, sports medicine, critical care. So I think one thing I loved about emergency medicine as a medical student still figuring out what I wanted to do is I had all of these options still open to me. So even though I didn't like muscles and bones, I was like, well, maybe I'll still do sports medicine. And that was still an option, which to me was really important. So there's still a lot of paths you can take out of emergency medicine, just like all of our patients who are completely undifferentiated when they walk through the door. I feel like in emergency medicine, you have an opportunity to be a little undifferentiated and find your path while you go through training, um, as long as you actually work like working in the emergency department to begin with. I am actually interested in sports medicine. And <laughs> uh, did you get any exposure to sports medicine during your training, or did you have to kind of seek it out and find that? Great question. So orthopedics is a required part of our training. So no matter where you go, you're going to get orthopedics experience. That varies program to program. Um, So when I was in training, we did time in the hospital and in a clinic. Here at UNC, it's more all hospital-based, consult-based. So you're you're seeing the consults in the ED. Um, But you will have that exposure in emergency medicine. If you're interested in sports medicine, you're going to have elective time in your program where you could pursue an elective specifically in sports medicine, which is what a lot of people who are interested in that do. Another great thing about emergency medicine, if you're interested in sports medicine, is our EMS pre-hospital groups are typically the ones involved in care for sporting events, whether it's something like a local marathon or race that needs medical coverage or local you know, 
sports teams. So it's a great way to get plugged in with sports medicine in that way too. Yeah, to my understanding, residency is you're not completely in the emergency department. You spend a few months in the ICU, a few months in an orthopedic clinic, bouncing around here and there. And you hinted at this earlier, you can do a three-year or a four-year residency. Is there any benefit to doing one or the other? What, how does it look? Because to us, if you can get the same thing in three years instead of four, you're saving an extra year of resident salary. Yes. So uh, this is yet another great question and lots of different opinions on this. Um, I don't think I'll say anything too controversial when I talk about three <laughs> versus four year. But um, first of all, just to touch on what you said, Abdul, um, you're right. In emergency medicine residency, you go to all different kinds of services. So we kind of joke about in the ED being jack of all trades, master of none, which maybe to some people doesn't sound that appealing, but <laughs> but it's part of the job. Like you've got to be able to do kind of anything. And so you spend a decent amount of time on off-service rotations um, like ICUs, orthopedics, anesthesia. Um, I'm definitely forgetting a number of things. So that is a good point about what our training looks like. In terms of then what does three-year versus four-year do? What's the difference? It, it's a really good question. And what I typically say about this is you need to do what's right for you. Um, and for a lot of people, that's location, that's feel of the program, you know, that type of thing. I think what four-year can offer you is more time to develop a niche in something, um, like in education or sports medicine. If you know, I really want to get into a different area of fellowship and I want more time to develop myself in that area, it can be helpful. Or if you're like, I really don't want to do a fellowship. I just want to go straight in the community, but I want to make sure I've had more time to get exposure to different things. A four-year program is going to give you more elective time to do those types of things. A three-year program, obviously you're done a year sooner and you can definitely still get all kinds of fellowships after a three-year program. There's no limitation to getting into a fellowship after a three-year program. Uh, certainly if you want to work in an academic setting where they are a four-year program and you graduated from a three-year program, that can be kind of challenging. Certainly people will still potentially match into fellowships there, but kind of where they work or how they supervise residents might be a little different. Um, I don't think you're limited with either option. And, and so I just tell students, you've got to do what, what makes sense for you. If you're like, I need to just get done with training, you're going to get, you're going to get the training you need in three years. Are you going to be a perfect emergency medicine physician when you finish? No, we're lifelong learners. You're not going to be a perfect physician when you finish four years either. Um, but if you want that extra elective time, if you want to live in a certain place, if you've dreamed of training somewhere forever and it's a four-year program, then you should do it. Um, and it, it will you will finish and it will be okay. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And now kind of taking a step backwards and going into medical school, what should medical students who are interested in pursuing emergency medicine what should they do now to best prepare to apply to residency? Are there any specific attributes or experiences that programs look for, such as research or extracurricular activities, in their potential candidates? So just to summarize kind of big things is, one, I, I just really want to know someone actually wants to do emergency medicine. Obviously, you're sitting here talking to someone who does emergency medicine. I didn't really find something else I wanted to do. I love the specialty. Um, but... I want to know that you actually want to do it because it's a tough specialty um, and we can talk about the reasons for that later. But um, so anything that demonstrates that you have a knowledge of the specialty and have a dedication to it is always helpful to see. And then 
as we've mentioned, in emergency medicine, you work with all different types of professions, all different specialties. You've got to be able to be pretty flexible uh, in terms of where you're working and how you're working. And so I think anything that reflects that in your application is also beneficial, like succeeding in all your clerkships, having some other activities you participate in um, is really helpful to see. I don't think there's one right way to do an application to emergency medicine, though. You know, in terms of some of the typical things like board scores, you know, you're going to have to take boards like you do with every specialty. We want to know that you can learn and pass a test. There's not generally like a hard, you have to score this to get into our program. But if you scored low, we want to know that there's demonstration that you're going to be able to succeed academically, even if that's in another area of your application. On your clinical rotations, again, I think your goal should be to do great in all of them, even if you don't like it. You're going to learn something that will be relevant to your career in emergency medicine. So if, if you can demonstrate that you've been successful in all your clerkships, we love to see that. Um, research, obviously a big thing that's asked about. Again, I like to see that an applicant has been involved in something and is passionate about something and has dedicated time to something in medical school. I don't like applications that have a million things with very minimal participation in them. <laughs> um, so having a couple things that you've really dedicated to your dedicated yourself to in medical school is great. And if that's research, amazing. There may be some programs that more heavily emphasize research. Uh, you know, there is some really great research going on in emergency medicine. We obviously need new research coming into researchers coming into the specialty. So you may find that some programs do value that more. But I think it's most important that you're putting your time and energy into the things you enjoy and just showing us that passion and dedication to whatever it is that you're doing. The applications sound like it's more well-rounded. Like there's no specific approach. It's based on what you're interested in. As long as you have a little bit of consistency, you do well yeah. <laughs> in your rotations and your scores should be fine. Yeah. Before starting emergency medicine uh, residency, are there any clinical rotations that you would recommend to fourth years? So I've heard things like, oh, you have to do an ICU rotation. You have to do an anesthesia rotation. What are your thoughts? I, I love this. I love thinking back to fourth year and thinking about what I did, what I should have done, could have done with my time. It's easy at the end of fourth year to be like, I just want to be done. I've worked really hard. And you, and you <laughs> should enjoy that time, please. You should. But there is stuff you're going to get to do as a fourth year med student that is just, you're not going to get to experience again as a resident and stuff you can do to really make your residency easier. So ICU does come to mind. I know that that doesn't sound like fun at the end of fourth year, but at the end of the day, we see a lot of critically ill patients in the ED. And if you can be more comfortable with that and any procedures you might get in ICU, it's only going to help you with your transition into residency. Other things, anesthesia, yeah, just getting comfortable with airways. It was one of the things I was most scared of going into residency. And so I think any experience you can get with that is great. Other things I thought of, so we are frequently very bad at like ENT and ophthalmology complaints. Like I don't, I like eyeballs. Oh, I don't like them. But do you know how many painful red changes in vision complaints I see in the ED, it's all the time. And so get good at using a slit lamp. Know how to check intraocular pressures. Know how to check visual acuity. It's going to make your life so much easier as a resident. Same with ENT complaints. Like know how to look in an ear, look look in the back of the throat, like know what types of 
diagnoses happen, have a differential. So um, those are things I wish I had done. Um, and then the other thing I thought about is like plastic surgery, potentially just a chance to learn some good suturing skills, get some some tips from the experts. I mean, really any any kind of surgical rotation might give you that. But again, getting good at suturing and being comfortable with that, once you're a resident, it'll just make your life easier. Thank you for all that information you shared with us. It honestly all sounds awesome to me. So <laughs> who knows yes. by the end of this episode what will happen. It's working. Yay. <laughs> Once you said sports medicine through EM, it all clicked. <laughs> <laughs> kind of bringing it all together. And the big question for those of us at UNC, what does the UNC emergency medicine program look for in potential candidates? Well, I think all the things I mentioned earlier, and I I mean, I'm one of the people who gets to review applications and interview people, so <laughs> just ditto to earlier. Um, we do, I mean, again, we're, we're not hard and fast. You have to have X, Y, and Z. We want to see well-rounded people. We want to see people who love emergency medicine and ideally who are going to come to our program and add something. Um, yes, we want you to come here and be good doctors and, and learn how to do good emergency medicine, and that's what we should be giving to you. Um, but we want people who are going to be excited to be here and participate in residency events and get involved in research if that's what they want to do or education or community outreach um, and, and be a part of UNC. So that's kind of the other next step we we are looking for. Awesome. Well, I guess just the last little bit of thing that we're going to talk about as far as getting into residency so AIs and away rotations, which are kind of fundamental for the aspiring emergency medicine candidate, how should students approach these rotations so that they can excel? Oh, man. I think uh, the emergency department is such a great place to learn, but it's also such a hard place to be a learner um, because of all the things we've already talked about. Like, we just never really know what's going to happen or what a medical student, you know, how they might be able to fit into the team that day. So just remember that we want you there. And it's a great place for you to learn. But what you're going to do or how you might be a part of the team can vary um, with location, with who you're working with, with the patients that come through the door. So demonstrating that you can be flexible, that you can find a way to be a member of the team, even if it's not kind of what you are expecting to do. And being proactive, but not in the way, which I know is not really a fair thing to ask for. <laughs> but <laughs> those things really stand out. And and. We spend a lot of time in very close proximity with each other in the ED, the residents and the attendings. And so just being able to be a part of that that group and be a part of the team is a huge, a huge aspect of being successful in the AI. Again, could I be more vague? Could it be more difficult? No, not really. And it's not really fair to the medical students. So um, just trying to come up with some concrete things that that can hopefully help you help you. Um, medical knowledge is is helpful, um, especially being able to like list a differential once you see a patient, being able to come to us and say, this, these are the things I'm, I would be worried about and don't want to miss. And having that EM mindset of these are the, these are the bad things. These are the life threats. Being able to do that is, is good to see from an AI. And similarly, calling for help when you need it. You do not have to be a hero as an AI. If you're worried about something, I love when a med student says, I'm worried about this person. I, I just really love that and appreciate that. And then we know we can trust you. Do own your patients. So once it's your patient, you're writing the note, you've done the HMP, beat me to finding the labs and the imaging results, and then come tell me what you want to do about it. And maybe you don't know, but try to have a plan. Um, be proactive there and, and really own the patients as your own. And 
update them, update families, uh, and, and try to beat the attending to those things when you can. And then I think the other thing is just take all the feedback that you get. Some of it's going to feel like, mm, is that really right? Or mm, you were, you know, this was kind of a difficult situation or I'm not really sure what you wanted me to do differently, but just take all the feedback that you're given and you're going to work with a lot of different people with a lot of different practice styles in the emergency department, but there's something you can learn from every one of them. And so I think just asking for feedback, being open to feedback and learning from every person you work with, and then showing us that you've implemented a change on the next shift that we work with you always really stands out as well. Hopefully that's helpful. That That is <laughs> awesome advice. Thank you so much for that. And I think it's really good to hear too, especially for um, the students that get to do shifts before fourth year because sometimes we're just too focused on getting the best eval because we're worried about our grade mm -hmm. and so we try to find who gives the best oh. experience or who gets <laughs> so i think that's really good for us to hear that it's it's all important to get all that different feedback from different people and different styles of of practicing medicine in, yes. in the emergency setting because it does really help make us better. It will define your own practice pattern. And like, you're not going to be just like any one person. You may disagree with some of the things you see or, or feedback you receive, but it's all going to become part of how you work as a physician. Our residents have the same experience. They're like, this one attending wants this, this one attending wants this, what am I supposed to do? It's all a part of you developing into a physician yourself and taking all of this feedback and experience and making it, making it your own. So it can be tough. I know it can be tough as a medical student in any clinical setting, like this can happen anywhere, but I know for sure it happens in the emergency department. <laughs> well, it's like your presentations are too long. They're too short. You know, it's just <laughs> like there's, it, it feels like you can never be right. And I know that it feels that way. So just keep, keep trying. Don't get down about those types of things. Um, and, and it, I promise you're learning from it, but I also know it's frustrating. <laughs> so for away rotations, do you have any advice on how we should go about choosing them and how we can perform well whenever we're visiting an away emergency department and kind of in the context of getting those standardized letters of evaluation, the slows, um, which is kind of unique to the emergency medicine uh, specialty? Yeah, definitely. So again, I think my advice for everyone is always you need to do what's right for you, who you are and your situation in life. And so for some people, that might mean like they want to try to get a really competitive AI and make their application look as good as possible. And, I, you know, I, I get that. But I, for a lot of people, it's like, I really need to be in this area for my family. I'm really interested in this program because they have great sports medicine exposure. And that's what I'm interested in. And so I'd really focus on those things that are important to you and the programs that line up with your needs and try to do away rotations at, at places like that. Um, I, I rotated at two places. I ended up going to residency training at one of the places I rotated, um, very much so because I rotated there and learned about the program. Um, and so they're, they're a big deal, not just as like a, you know, quote audition, which is a tough way to think about those things. Um, obviously you are getting a lot of recommendation, but it's important for you three to four years of your life in residency is a very significant formative time. And so use the, use the AIs to figure out where you want to be with your residency training, whether it's geography or, or again, specific uh, opportunities offered by a program, whatever. Um, in terms of how to really succeed in them, I think 
know, I mean, it, it always looks good when you know some stuff about the program. You're not going to know everything. But for example, like if you come to UNC to rotate, like we have uh, shifts at UNC. We also have t- clinical time at Wake Med. And I think just knowing a little bit about the program and what our residency actually looks like is helpful. Uh, if you show up and you're like, I didn't know, <laughs> that, that doesn't really look good. Um, so just kind of knowing what kind of practice location you're going to be in and, and what the residency program itself looks like um, before you get there. And then at the end of the day, just some of the same things I already said, find a way to be a part of the team, um, take all the feedback that you get, try to make improvements as you go along. We notice those things. And, and you know, medical knowledge, procedural skills, yes, that, that stuff does matter. But I think start with those those other things first. Thank you. That's that's actually really great advice, and I think applies to really any field I, anyone yes. decides to go into, which is good to hear. And now we kind of want to talk a little bit about the field of emergency medicine, kind of like away from academics. But from your own personal experience, what frustrates you the most about emergency medicine? And on a separate note, what keeps you motivated? Um, I think you could do a whole podcast on things that frustrate people about emergency medicine. But again, I think that's probably true about medicine in general. But I mean, you really are on the front lines of seeing the good and the frustrating parts of the healthcare system we work in and the the medical problems that people are dealing with and and helping people access care they need and um and it, it can, I mean there's just there's all kinds of things that can be really frustrating. Um we also coordinate care with people throughout the hospital um which can be be a challenge. So for every person, there's going to be different things that trigger them, different things that really stress them out or make them mad, I think. So it's worth paying attention to when you're in the ED and and whether or not it's things you think you can kind of spend a career dealing with. (laughs) Um, But like I mentioned earlier, I love emergency medicine because I get to help in any situation. Even if I can't take you to the operating room, I can still do some things that can be life-changing, life-saving. Um, even if you just stubbed your toe. So um, that that is why I love it. That's what keeps me going. I am in medicine because I want to take care of people, and I actually get to take care of people and be with people every day, which is not always easy, but uh, it is very fulfilling. So um, again, I think, as I've said a million times, being honest with yourself and and kind of what those challenges are and why you're choosing emergency medicine if you are is is the most important thing. A lot of people will also tell you, though, find something else within EM to do. So for me, I work in an academic institution. I get to teach residents. I serve as an assistant program director. I do some medical student education. Um, I get to come on podcasts <laughs> and talk about my specialty, and it renews my love of it. So um, I do think that's good advice. But what your other thing looks like, like you don't have to be an assistant program director to have another thing. There's so many other things you can do with NEM um, to kind of give you a different outlet. So, And kind of adding to that and regarding the um, big question of physician burnout, um, how can aspiring physicians find satisfaction in their jobs and ensure longevity in their career while avoiding burnout? I remember being a med student and feeling a lot of pressure to choose or not choose certain specialties or choose or not choose certain programs all that type of stuff. Ignore all of that pressure. Listen to like helpful advice from people you trust, your support system, and just be honest about who you are and what you want out of your career in medicine and choose a specialty that fits what you need. That's like by far the most important thing you can do to avoid burnout. 
I, I think that you're probably going to experience burnout in working in a career in medicine. I mean, it is, it's a grueling path and things are much better when you get out of residency, but it's still tough and you still deal with some really harsh realities of life. Um, and so having other, like having your support system, having other things you do outside the hospital, drawing boundaries about what take, what goes home with you and what doesn't and when you're off work and when you're on work and things like that, um, have been really important for me. And I, I would just add to this maybe as a little bit of an aside, but I do think there's a tendency to seek emergency medicine as a, as a profession because of lifestyle. Um, and so I just want to say that, you know, it is shift work. The physical number of hours I work in the hospital are less than a lot of people. And I know that and I'm grateful. It's not a reason to choose emergency medicine as a specialty. I would really caution you from saying, oh, EM has a great lifestyle. Um, I work three to 11 and miss my child's bedtime pretty regularly. I work holidays. I'm switching my schedule constantly. So my sleep schedule can, can be challenging. Um, so again, I just, as a piece to this burnout piece, like working shift work can cause you some burnout if it's not the right thing for you. And if you don't like the work you're doing when you're on shift. So I just caution you about how you're choosing your specialty of lifestyle, something you're really heavily considering. Definitely more words of wisdom there. And now we're going to talk about the big thing. Um, <laughs> no discussion about emergency medicine is ever complete without the hot topic that's going around. And this is the big elephant in the room, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's the emergency medicine job market and oversaturation. So the TLDR, too long, didn't read version, for those of you who are listening who might be unaware there was a report that was published about two years ago now, which estimated there would be an oversupply of emergency physicians by about 10,000 uh, by the year of 2030. And this, of course, has made people worried, including myself, about going into the specialty due to the fear of not having a job when we graduate residency. And with that being said, what do you think every student going into emergency medicine should be aware of? And what words of wisdom or advice can you give us? And feel free to include as much background or lore <laughs> as you would like on this topic. Um, we can go into controversy. We could try and avoid that. It's up to you. But there's a lot oh to unpack goodness. here. Uh, there is a lot to unpack here. Um, so as Abdul mentioned, a couple years ago, there was a workforce study that that predicted a surplus of emergency medicine doctors. Um, this was done pre-COVID, and I do think that a lot has changed between then and now about the specialty. I absolutely do not have all the answers. I'm pretty early in my career. There's a lot of people who have thought more about this and have a lot more, um, have done a lot more research into it. But my impression, myself and from talking with others, is we still need EM physicians and there are going to be jobs. I think the big change you might see is I see a lot of people who do, I mean, you learn about emergency medicine in an academic setting, and that's kind of where you see yourself practicing emergency medicine. And in reality, we need people who are working in the community in rural settings. Um, there is still a huge need for EM physicians. Um, I love my colleagues in other specialties, but we do have like internal medicine, family medicine who staff a lot of EDs, especially in more rural settings. And, and they've done it for a long time and are, are very capable in a lot of ways, truly. But um, we have a, a really unique special training that is needed in those areas, and, and we're not filling those right now. So I think just considering that you might have to work, at least to start your career, not at an academic center, 
you know, which, which I think is one of the hardest parts about EM is that your introduction to it is always at an academic center. It's, it's where I learned that I wanted to do EM and it's kind of how I envisioned it from day one. So I think that's one piece of it. I, I do think we need EM, EM physicians, but m- maybe the distribution is a little lopsided right now. Um, I think there are also a lot of spaces where emergency medicine physicians can serve in medicine because we are so flexible um, and can kind of slide into a number of different roles. And so I think that is still developing. But um, things like telemedicine and observation units um, in the ED or clinical decision units and and some things like that may become more and more a part of emergency medicine. And so I think there will be roles we fill that may not look like they do now. And again, I will not pretend to know. And that that can certainly make it hard to think about a career in emergency medicine. Although I would say that the landscape of medicine in general is probably going to shift in all specialties um, coming out of COVID and um, dealing with like staffing shortages and things that we are dealing with in hospitals and, and medical systems right now. So hard to say, but I think the other elephant in the room that I'm certain most med students have heard is that EM had like the most unfilled spots in the match this year, right? So yes, there's a workforce study that said we're going to have a surplus, but we're also not filling our EM spots now. I I really think we're going to still need a lot of EM physicians. And so if it's truly the specialty you want to do, I don't want that to scare you away. If you want to do EM for lifestyle, and that's the only reason I would strongly consider a different specialty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. So those are all the questions that we have for you. I know there was quite a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, but now we'd like to leave room for you to share any other thoughts or advice that you might have to us medical students, people that are considering medical school, and really about anything, whether it's the clinical years, life, medicine, it's up to you. So I've already given my most important piece of advice about 10 times. So be honest with yourself. But the next thing I would say is uh, talk to a lot of people and just get, and again, They may not say something that resonates with you, but just hearing other people's perspectives and their journeys can really be helpful in helping you be a little more introspective about what is right for you. So I would just use this opportunity to talk with mentors, make connections, network with people, talk with your peers, even talk with your family um, and and just learn a lot about yourself as you go through this process of medical school. Um, So that's my that's my general going through med school residency advice. The only other thing I wanted to do is give the final plug for yes, go for it. <laughs> I was just about to ask. <laughs> so for the past four years, I've been um, able to, to direct our Intro to Emergency Medicine elective, ERMD 101, in the course catalog. It is a summer elective, four weeks for rising second-year medical students. Um, and it's a really, really unique experience that I'll quickly try to summarize. It, it contains lectures, hands-on procedure sessions, clinical time, working in the ED. And then the last week of the elective, you actually get to become the teacher. And we have a group of um, recently graduated high school and early college students who are interested in careers in medicine come to UNC's campus and have a week of immersion in emergency medicine. And the medical students who just learned about emergency medicine get to teach it, uh, which I know can sound intimidating. But what better way to solidify your knowledge and also yourself get rejuvenated about being in medicine? Like all these students want to be where you are and you get to encourage them and teach them about your own journey. So it's been really exciting to watch. And we've had students choose to go into EM 
afterwards. We've had students decide not to go into EM afterwards. That is fine. I would say no matter what specialty you're going to go into, the experiences you have in the ED in this elective will serve you well. Learning how to suture, get sterile gloves on, just how to be in the hospital setting, it can all be helpful. So uh, if you're in a position to potentially take that elective, be on the lookout for an email next year. That sounds like an awesome opportunity. And I would highly, highly (laughs) recommend, having gone through it uh, exactly one year ago, I cannot recommend it enough. It's such a great experience. It's a lot of fun. And really, it's very well placed between first and second year because towards the end of first year, you're kind of burnt out from all the studying. You're like, why am I doing medicine in the first place? And it gives you an opportunity to kind of rejuvenate, as Dr. Halsey Nichols said, and really remember why we're doing this in the first place. So reach out if you're interested in it. I didn't tell him to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that is a great note to end on. Dr. Halsey Nichols, this has been an absolutely delightful talk. Thank you so much for sharing your time and wisdom with us today. To our listeners, that was Dr. Maglin Halsey Nichols and a little snapshot into emergency medicine. My name is Peter. And my name is Abdul. If you think someone else would benefit from listening to this episode, please share it with them. And remember to follow the Tar Heel prescription on Instagram to keep up with our speaker highlights and upcoming episodes. Thank you for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on the Tar Heel prescription.